0: That being said, would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9? There's no place like home. This morning I was blessed to go and worship at the 8 o'clock service of Grace Church, which is on the corner of Old Hickory and Granny White, um, to be with uh, Pastor Scott, who came to worship with us about a month ago. He came and knocked on our door here literally, literally, to welcome us and to welcome me to the Forest Hills, Brentwood, Nashville community. And uh, we visited a couple of times since then, and uh, and I went to worship with him this morning and hear him preach from Hebrews. So I thank God for what he's doing in his kingdom to unite his people, to unite hearts together. Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 35. The Bible reads, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So let me talk briefly with you on the subject of what moves you? What moves you? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you were moved, moved in your heart to demonstrate love towards us when we did not know you, when we were rebellious against you, We were enemies. You did not hold that against us. You loved us anyway. You came, Jesus, as the Lamb of God to lay your life down for us. And we thank you that whereas we once were blind, now we see. Whereas once we were your enemies, now we are your sons and daughters. We are friends of God. We thank you that you not only know our name. But you also know every care and concern that's in our hearts. We thank you as we were reminded today in worship that you reign. In spite of what we may see, in spite of what we may feel, even in spite of what we may think, you reign. You are Lord. We do not make you Lord. We acknowledge that you are Lord. And because of that, we can have joy, we can overcome, we can have peace amid any storm we face because you are the Lord even over the storm. So, Lord, thank you. Help me to preach the things you and I have been talking about this week, things you've been showing me. Help me not to get in the way of what you want to communicate to your people. And we promise when it's all said and done to give your name the praise. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Amen men. The Bible says in verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Today, I want to talk about compassion and what happens when we have it. I just want to talk briefly today about compassion. What is it and what happens when we when we have compassion. Well, I look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and I see in my first point that I want to share with you today is that Jesus was moved with compassion. Whatever it is, it moved him. Well, as we look into the Bible and try to dig a little bit into the Greek language and Try to understand the word that Matthew used, which in our Bible, when it says he was moved with compassion, is literally one word in the Greek language, and it means that his intestines and his bowels shifted. So when it says he was moved with compassion, what does that mean? It means that his insides moved, his heart shifted. Something happened inside of Jesus when he saw the multitudes. Because we can go through such intense emotional anxiety, maybe even fear or sorrow, pity or remorse, that it affects us even in our stomachs. For the Jewish mind, they will look at the bowels, The intestines and and sometimes in the Bible, it would be used in a literal sense as when Judas hung himself and his intestines spilled out when he hit the ground. But more so, it's used in a figurative sense to speak of the seat of your emotions. For some Hebrew thinkers, the heart was more of the intellect, believe it or not. Uh, but the bowels spoke of your emotions. So when the Bible says that Jesus was full of compassion, he was moved with compassion, his bowels, his intestines were affected because what was happening directly to other people that he viewed, he indirectly felt what they were going through. Have you ever been in a situation with someone and they're hurting And because they're hurting, you end up developing what is called sympathy pains. That's speaking of compassion, that you are being touched with what is touching that particular person, what they're going through. You kind of feel some of it. It reminds me of when my son, he was a little boy, and he had to have tubes put in his ears. And this is my firstborn he's almost my namesake. We, we didn't want to make him a junior. Uh, my name is Christopher Wesley Williamson. His name is Christopher Dante Williamson. I wanted him to have his own identity but still be mine. And so my little boy had to have tubes put in his ears. Baby, how old was he when that happened? He was three. And man, I was hurting so bad. I remember when they explained everything to us in the uh, hospital room, what was going to happen. They're trying to say it's a simple procedure. They do this all the time. I'm like, but yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. you know. And so they rolled my son out of the room, and emotion just hit me to the point where I could not stand. I fell down on my knees because I was helpless. As his father, his protector, I couldn't do anything for him in that surgery room. I just had to fall down. I just wept i poured out my emotions i mean i had no appetite i was almost nauseous that's what matthew is talking about when he says being moved with compassion where your appetite gets affected because of what you see going on with somebody else that is so impacts you that you don't even want to eat you just oh my god and jesus he groaned within He looked at the people and he was moved in his bowels, in his spirit, in his emotions. Very much so, when Lazarus died, we see the same thing, that Jesus groaned within himself, the Bible says, when he walked up to the sepulcher. The Bible says he groaned within himself. Even though he knew that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, he groaned. Why? Because Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And as a man, he could be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Oh, I got good news for you. The God we serve is a God who is compassionate. The God we served is the God, according to Isaiah chapter chapter 53, he, he was able to bear our sorrows and bear our griefs. He sits high and he looks low, but he also feels what we walk through. He is that friend that sticks closer than a brother, and he's not afraid to moan with you. To even, John eleven thirty five 35 with Lazarus, weep with you. Two times it says, he groaned within himself concerning Lazarus. Why? Because he's a compassionate God. He feels what we feel. He's been where we've been, yet without sin. But he understands emotions. I was in the barber shop yesterday, and a friend of mine from back in the day was in there, and he was like, man, where is your church at now? I want to come. So I gave him a card, told him about where the church was. He, he said he went to a church in the country last week and had a great time. He said the spirit was moving, and he says, man, it seemed like every time I go to church now, I cry. And this is kind of like, you know, one of my homies off the street, you know, he kind of, you know, hood tough, you know. But he's like, man, whenever I go to church, I cry. I said, good. I said, I cry every Sunday because the Lord is so good and he just knows how to just squeeze and touch your heart. Now, if you don't cry, that doesn't mean that you don't love God. But I'm just here to say that there's nothing wrong with a man crying about the goodness of Jesus. Why? Because our own Savior expressed emotion. It's okay to let it go. Some of us as men need to let it go and stop being constipated holding on to it. (laughs) If Jesus can cry, and I don't know a man greater than Jesus, it's okay. He cried, he cried, he cried. He groaned within. He was moved when he saw the multitudes. He's moved when he sees us. Our God is full of compassion. He's slow to anger, slow to wrath. He's full. I'm so glad he's a compassionate God who is in this flesh, who knows what it's like to have sorrow. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. That's why he could minister well to people who grieved and people who were hurting. That's our Savior. Well, this word that we see here, is used only in the synoptic gospels. We see compassion in other places in the New Testament, but this particular word that calls attention to the intestines and the bowels is only found in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Five times in Matthew we see it, four times in Mark, three times in Luke. Here are a couple of them. Matthew fifteen thirty-two says, Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. You see, compassion recognizes the needs that people have. These people have been listening to Jesus preach. Jesus knew that their stomachs were growling. Sometimes it's hard to minister to people when their stomachs are growling. It's hard to tell them about the goodness of the Lord when they haven't had a meal. And so Jesus says, I'm not only concerned about their spirit and their soul, but I'm concerned about their body. I'm concerned about them holistically. We need to feed them. But the disciples, if we read on in that narrative and even other narratives that tell the same story, they were like, send the people away, Lord. We don't really care that they've been here three days. Send them away. We are tired of them. So we see here that you can look at the same group of people and walk away with different responses. Jesus looked at them and said, we got to feed them. The church, I mean, the disciples looked at them and said, they're nuisances. Just send them away. Now, Jesus said, I'm not letting you off the hook. Uh, uh, What do you have in your knapsack to help feed these folks? Because when you have compassion, you care about the needs of people. Mark chapter 1, verse 41, it says, Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him. This is speaking of a leper, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And he was cleansed. When you have compassion, you not only care about the needs of people, but you're willing to literally put your hands on needy people. When you have compassion, you're willing to touch the diseased and the disenfranchised. You don't try to preach at them from across the street. No, you walk across the street and lovingly put your hands on them. Why? Because lepers did not have dignity from a social standpoint. They were outcasts. They were relegated to certain parts of the the countryside where they had to stay. But Jesus, who could have just spoke the word over him and said, be healed, chose not to do that. Jesus, when you watch him heal many times, he is putting his hands on people to assure them, to comfort them, to remind them that they are human beings made in the image of God. And he instills dignity with a simple touch. When he would heal blind people, sometimes he would speak, other times, most of the time, he would touch them. Because when you have compassion, you're going to touch hurting people. But then in Luke 7 13, it says, When the Lord saw her, this was a widow who had lost her son, and she's burying him. She's walking to, through the funeral procession. The Bible says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. So when you have compassion, you see the tears of other people when you have compassion, and, and, and our God is full of compassion, and if we're made in the image of God and being recreated after the image of Jesus Christ, transformed by His spirit, should not His people be people who are known as being people full of compassion? But so often we're not full of compassion, we're full of sermons. So often we're not full of compassion, we're full of rebuke and scolding. So often we're not full of compassion, we're full of studies and facts and things to tell people why they're in the predicament that they're in. But Jesus would just minister to people. He didn't say, now, y'all are hungry because y'all weren't responsible enough to pack a lunch. He fed them. He didn't qualify them before he ministered to him. He ministered to them. And as I'm following Jesus, I'm learning... Chris, would you just be there for people? Will you see the tears of a mother who has to bury her son? Now, we don't know how the son got killed. Does that matter? What matters is that this mother has lost her son, and she's grieving. And Jesus not only sees this mother's tears, but he goes up and he touches the coffin which would make him unclean to his religious preacher, clerical homeboys. But Jesus was not bound or controlled by religion, the spirit of religion. He cared about people and he saw that widow's tears and he touched that coffin and ultimately he raised her son from the dead. You see, the biblical concept of compassion is to feel such deep sympathy pains about something or someone to the point where it makes you feel sick. You lose your appetite. Uh, You may even get nauseous. To have compassion means that what directly affects others indirectly affects me. But it starts off with you seeing it. Because if you don't see it, you won't have compassion for it. But like the disciples, you can look at these situations and still not see it. It's amazing how we can look at something and Christians can walk away with different responses. Some of us are over analytical. Some of us are a little harsh. But if I'm going to be anything, Jesus, would you help me to be someone that is going to err on the side of compassion? Jesus was full of grace and truth. Sometimes I'm too full of truth, but he's trying to balance me out that I may be full of grace and truth, that I may be someone that has compassion. Well, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has been teaching, preaching, and healing. That's what it says. He's been going from every city, every village, teaching, preaching, and healing. Why? Because he came to serve He loves people. So he's teaching, which means he's explaining the truth. He's preaching, which means he's proclaiming the truth. You see, I love how Jesus ministered because the Bible says never a person ever spoke like him. Because I believe the way Jesus preached, Lord, would you teach me how to minister the way He did? Because He taught. Because there's a time to explain truth to the people of God. There's a time to sit down and walk from verse to verse and text to text to explain the truth. But then there's another time to proclaim the truth. You see, if explaining the truth brings light, then proclaiming the truth brings fire. And when Jesus ministered, he knew how to bring light, he knew how to bring fire. He knew how to teach, he knew how to preach. And I thank God that he is teaching me that the best kind of speaking not only has the right information, but it also is backed by the right kind of passion that is preaching and teaching. Not only Jesus, move my head, but can you move my heart? So when he taught, he was ministering to the mind. But when he preached, he was ministering to the soul. But he didn't leave it there just verbally. Why? Because he also healed every sickness and every disease among the people, proving that he was the Messiah, proving that he was anointed to bind up the brokenhearted, proving that he was anointed to set the captives free. And when he healed the sick and when he healed those who had diseases, he did not charge them an offering for it. He didn't line them up and have his guys talk to them and find out what their sickness was and then kind of politely get them out of the line. Because that kind of healing, the, the faith healer cannot heal because it's something that's physical. But we might can be able to deal with something that you really can't see or tell. So leave that person in the line, but get that crippled dude out of the line. Jesus said, No, leave everybody in the line. And when they come, they don't have to give anything. I'll minister to each, every disease, every disease. And when He healed people, they got healed immediately. Anybody need God to do something immediately for them right now? Lord, I need you to do something right now. It may be physical, maybe financial, maybe emotional. I know sometimes we have to endure through things, but every now and then, my God can do it immediately. Do you believe that today? He can do it immediately. And he healed folk right there. What an amazing God. But we see in verse 36, after he's been teaching, preaching, and healing, it says in verse 36, but, meaning that, there's a contrast now. He's doing something great. He's doing something good. But watch this. It's not good enough he's teaching preaching and healing he is touching the mind through teaching he is touching the soul through preaching he's shedding light he's bringing fire he's touching the body but it's not enough why because the people are helpless they're harassed it's not enough just to give them something for the moment Jesus is concerned about long-term coverage Long-term care. Look with me at verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, those ones he's just been ministering to, he was moved with compassion. His bowels moved within him when he saw their brokenness, when he saw their spiritual need. The Bible says, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. It's one thing to heal them, one thing to preach to them and teach to them, But, man, they need covering. They need a shepherd. Why? Because there are wolves out here preying on my people. And those wolves are called Pharisees and scribes. And they're putting yokes on my people that are burdening them them down. And Jesus looks at them and says, oh, those religious leaders are leading my people astray. Rather than feeding my flock, they're fleecing my flock. Rather than leading them to green pastures, they're leading them down alleys and taking advantage of them. So Jesus is like, man, I'm broken for my people because they are, number one, weary. And that means they are harassed and distressed. And then he says they are scattered, which means that they are helpless and powerless. Power is on the side of their oppressor. Pharisees. These people have no power. The essence of the gospel is the most high, most powerful God making himself poor to make poor people rich. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about being blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly place. Second Corinthians 8, 9. Don't you know the grace of our Lord that though for our sakes he became poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich? He emptied himself of his power to identify with people who did not have power. The one who sat high came down low, not only becoming human, but born of a virgin and was raised in obscurity and poverty to touch people who were often the last and the least and the looked over. He was intentional and he redistributed power. So if any of us have any kind of power today... And we're not using it to help those who don't have power. We're not walking in the steps of Jesus. It's not, the gospel It's not about get all you can and can all you get. It's about how can I give away what I have? Oh, it's quiet in here. I hope you're just listening. I hope, I hope you're listening. He was moved with compassion. He saw that they were weary. He saw that they were scattered. He saw that they needed a shepherd because the shepherds they had were taking advantage of them. Jesus was moved internally and possibly to tears when he saw his people suffering like this. It's not uncommon to think that he wept for his people. He wept over Jerusalem. When he came to Jerusalem, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you've turned away from the prophets. So our Savior, no wonder they thought he was Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, our Savior, oh, he would get emotional sometime. So here's my question. What person, what people group, what cause moves you with compassion, even to the point of being emotional? What moves you? What moves me? Is it children? Does that move you? Does that break your heart when you see children suffer, when you see children hungry or naked or lacking medical care, when they need teaching in the back? Is your heart moved? Do you have compassion for children? You have compassion for divorced people. And sometimes our compassion Our burden can come from the fact that that's what we once were or that's what we've had to walk through. And so some people have great compassion for those who are divorced. Some have compassion for those who are incarcerated. Some have great compassion for single moms and singles. Angel and Peter Noble have great compassion for the people of Haiti. And there are other family members in here who just have great compassion for Haiti. So much so that last Tuesday, Peter said, Pastor, would you pray over me? And Angel, we're going in to Haiti this week because we heard that there is an orphanage that is taking advantage of the children and they're not using the funds that they're getting from America and properly disseminating it to the children. The children are living in filth. The children are not being taken care of. They're not being fed. But this guy is on the internet. He still gets donations. We're going in. We don't have a plan, but we're getting with some other people, and we're going to confront this person. So would you pray for us, Pastor? I said, oh, my God. That's some serious compassion right there for the people and the children and the orphans of Haiti because some of us have such a burden for orphans. We have a burden for the handicapped, for those in the military. Some of us have a burden for people who are poor. Some of us have burdens for people who are wealthy. We're compassionate towards little people. We're compassionate towards people caught up in modern-day slave trafficking. Some of us are so compassionate for those suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease that we're pouring ice on our heads and donating hundred dollars at a time. When you have compassion, you feel what people are going through, even if you don't feel it personally. Some of us are compassionate for athletes. Some of us are compassionate for teenagers, for the elderly, for the homeless, for drug addicts, for the mentally ill. Some of us have a passion for immigrants and immigration reform. Some of us are passionate about what's going on in Israel, and we have great compassion for the Israelis. Some of us even have compassion for the Palestinians, for the Kurds, for the Iraqis, for the Muslims. We even have compassion for people who are trapped in cults. We have compassion for people who are being persecuted, even beheaded around the world for their faith. We have compa- stuff is moving us. It's moving us, and one thing that moves me heavily, is young black men. I'm compassionate for young black men. I want to help them any way I can. Newsflash, in case you don't know, Strong Tower got started because I was serving in the low-income community of Franklin, which was primarily African American. My ministry was to hang out with the young men and teach them the things of God, discipleship, life on life. I would go up to the schools then, just sit with them, have lunch with them, go to their homes, earn the right to be heard. Because I felt, man, if I can just see one of these men rise up and beat the odds and go against the system and go against the negativity and the generational curses, man, because God, somebody took some time with me. Hmm. And then out of that, I said, okay, Lord, I know you operate through the local church. I'm going to start a church. To try to see the black family restored. And God said, That's great. I gave you that burden. But guess what, Chris? It's going to be a little bit more than that. I'm going to make this a diverse church. And I'm bringing white folks, different denominations, different economics. And I said, Yes, Lord. But this thing started with me being broken, me going to prisons, spending time with young men. And it hasn't changed. I was up at J.T. Moore this past week, and I got to meet Jabari. Dr. Hughes and Ms. Allen introduced me to Jabari. He got into some trouble on the bus, but they graciously let him get back on the bus, and I looked him in his eyes, and I said, you're getting a lot of love here. You're getting another opportunity, Jabari. Don't waste it. Matter of fact, you will behave on this bus today when you go home. Matter of fact, I'm coming back up to school tomorrow morning to look you in your eyeballs for you to tell me that you behaved on that bus when you went home. So the next day, I was up at that school and he was looking for me to look him in his eyes. Because when you're the object of compassion, it'll change your life, it'll give you some hope. So when we are moved with compassion, we will touch people, and we will be touched by what touches people. But there is a warning I have to give, and that is we have to be careful of criticizing what moves other people when it doesn't move us. I'm going to say that one more time because it needs to be said. Christians can be so critical. And that if it doesn't move us, then we or critical of what moves other people. But there's enough needy people to go around that you don't have to be concerned with what moves me. And we don't have to compete, okay, we got people who have a big heart for Haiti, but in Strong time we got a people here who have a heart for Ghana. There's enough hurting people to go around. We don't have to compete or be critical of what another ministry does or what you do with your spare time. Because if I'm critical of what burdens you, then I'm going to come off like a cynic and a judge and maybe even appear heartless. And McCaffrey once said, make no judgments where you have no compassion. Make no judgment where you have no compassion. And sometimes we don't have compassion because we don't see what other people see. Sometimes we don't see it because we don't want to see it. Because if I look at it too long, it's going to mess with my bowels. It's going to move me into action if I look at it too long. So I'll come at it rationally. I won't get into it with my heart on what breaks your heart to help homeless people. I'll look at them on the corners and say, why are they there? Man, them newspapers were $1, now they $2. But man, if I get out and start talking with some of these people, touching some of them. I think it's going to change my perspective on how I view them. So if somebody bids you to go one mile, you may walk with them for a mile and then realize they ain't too bad after all. They, they kind of like me. Next thing you know, you're going to have covered two miles. I think Jesus knew what he was talking about as it pertains to mercy ministry. So when you have compassion, it's going to move you but it's also going to move you to prayer. Jesus was moved to prayer. So after you, you see something that moves you, it ought to move you to prayer because Jesus said, okay, all these people out here, they don't have a covering, they don't have a pastor. He said in verse 37 or 38 rather, therefore pray. Why? Because it's too big for you, but it's not too big for God. Pray to the Lord of the harvest and Watch him send laborers into his harvest field. So as I pray, let me be reminded that this is his field. These are his people. These are people he loved and died and gave his son for. And I'm praying, recognizing that he reigns. He reigns over this broken field, that he sees this same scattered broken field. He sees it as a harvest field. He sees it as an opportunity to minister to people. So Jesus said, pray for the Lord to send out workers. What kind of workers? People that's going to cover these folks, not just for the moment, but long term. Jesus said, pray for some shepherds who have his heart to arise. If we don't pray about what moved us, we have only been moved for the moment. It may also mean that we don't see the enormous spiritual dynamics that are at work. Well, when I moved with compassion, it's going to move me to prayer. And then finally, it's going to move me to action. Because we see in chapter 10, verse 1, that Jesus said, okay, I saw something that broke my heart. I prayed to the Father because my heart is broken. He can heal my heart and he can do something about what I'm crying out to him for. But Jesus says, but now I'm going to move to action because in chapter 10, he's like, let me get my leadership team together. Because we got to go out now and we got to serve those harassed and hurting people. So you guys go two by two. Let me get you all together. And I'm giving you power. I'm equipping you. I'm giving you authority to bind and to loose, to help the poor, to cast out devils. I'm not just giving you power so you can sit inside church and talk about how much power your church got. I'm giving you power to do something with it, to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, right there. Go out! So he not only chose them and empowered them, he sent them out. He did something about what he saw. And that's why I love what happened in our church organically a few weeks ago when my friend came and talked about J.T. Moore. And he talked about the need and we heard it. And so now what's going on is that we're organizing so that as we've been moved with compassion and as we've been praying, now we've got to strategize so we could do the work. When I was at the graduation last year of J.T. Moore, if my memory serves me correctly, out of the 20-plus students who were honor students and who were acknowledged for their grades, not one of them happened to be African American. Now, that doesn't mean that African American people are not as smart as European people. We're we, we going to tell the, the truth here. No, that, that's a lie. But there are some people who are coming from various circumstances, home, upbringings that are very challenging and they just need some help. So John Mason and I went up last week and he's walking the halls and he's a military man, just like Brother Bailey. And so these guys see strategy because I got the manpower. We just need to know what to do. Do you need mentors in the halls? Uh, You need people to help with uh, 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 homework? What do you need? He, John even came back saying, man, they talking about having a step team up in here. Do we have any people in our church that used to be Kappas or Deltas who can come up in there and teach some stepping, and also drop some good love and truth on the children? So the plan, it, 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 it's coming. Because, listen, if it doesn't lead to action, it's not compassion. If it doesn't lead to action, it's not compassion. So you see it and get moved. It moves you to pray. But if it don't move you to do, you don't really have biblical compassion. Because Jesus would stretch his arms out and touch people and do things and put his leadership together to meet the needs. That's why he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Because there were some people coming from church. Had a good Holy Ghost time in church. And they saw this man who life had beat him down. He got robbed. Lying in a ditch. Oh, oh. Church people just danced on by Oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, but didn't help him. A priest, the preacher, went by on the other side. And and in all fairness, they may have been saying, well, if I help this guy in a ditch, the same people who beat him up may beat me up. They may be hiding in the woods. Or if I help this guy who's in a ditch, he's not from the same political party that I am. He's not from the same background that I am. And my friends might talk about me and put me down if they see me helping this kind of person. And I might lose some business. We don't know why, but he kept going. But Jesus, oh, the great teacher preacher, he says, uh, but there was a Samaritan. The Samaritans who were considered half breeds, dogs by the Jews, the N word, so to speak. The refuse, the filth, where Jews didn't even want to get Samaritan dirt on their sandals. So they went all the way around Samaria when they were coming from north to south and south to the north. But Jesus said, let me promote the outcast as the hero. Let me promote the person that y'all look down on. He's the one that said, I don't really concern myself with what may happen to me if I help this man. No, no, I'm concerned with what happens to this man if I don't help him. Because a lot of times we don't have compassion because we're so self-consumed, self-concerned. We want to play it safe. We want to stay conservative. But this dude jumped out there and said, I'm going to help him. Matter of fact, man, put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to put him on my donkey, take him to an inn, paying for him for the night, putting medicine on his wounds. I got money if he needs it for tomorrow. And he didn't even stick around to get a pat on the back from the dude. He didn't stick around to get a photo op with the dude and put it on his Facebook page. He just served him. Why? Because Jesus said he had compassion and his compassion led to action. And then Jesus said, which one was the person's neighbor? I'm tired of being the priest that walks by. I'm tired of being the Christian that has all the right answers but has no heart. I'd rather be wrong and at least touch you than be right and do nothing. I used to play baseball. Everybody strikes out. But the worst way to strike out is looking. Two, strike three. Man, If I'm going to strike out, I'm going to strike out swinging at least. You're going to get a breeze like you got with that little uh, fan she got over there. You're going to feel a breeze. Why? Because I'm at least going to try. Two weeks ago, I told the church, knowing that I was going to go out of town, I said, I'm going to talk about what's going on in Israel because our Israel team had to delay because of what's going on in Gaza and what's happening with uh, the Hamas, the Israelis. I was going to talk about that from a biblical and political perspective. And that was on Sunday. Then I was out of town. And while I was out of town, more things happened on the global level. And the Muslims took the mountain. The ISIS took the mountain right there in Iraq and began to persecute and even kill women and children, people who were Christians. I was like, wow. And then the events of Ferguson, Missouri began to continue to rise. And I said, Lord, uh, what you want me to talk about? Because if I talk about one and don't talk about the other, I'll get blasted by people. So, Lord, what do you want me to do? There are things that weigh heavy on my heart, but then there are things that weigh heavier on my heart than other things. This is your pulpit, not mine. Yes, I'm a black man, and I love young black men, and that thing stings me. It hurts me. But, Lord, would would you help me be responsible with your pulpit to a diverse church? So, the Lord said, just talk about compassion. You put the word out there, and then you let me touch every heart, whether it's a heart that's dealing with what's going on in Israel, what's going on in Iraq, what's going on in Missouri, what's going on in Nashville, what's going on in Franklin, what's going on in your house. You let me do the work. You let me fill in the gaps because we may not always agree on things politically. We, we may not always agree on things historically. We may not always agree on things sociologically, But Lord, have mercy. Can we even at least agree on things spiritually? Can we agree that men are broken and men need the compassion of God, whether they live in Beverly Hills or whether they live in Compton? We all need a compassionate God. So, Lord, would you help your people who have tasted your compassion to be compassionate for those who are hurting? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. We love you and we appreciate the fact that you've left us here for a purpose. That's to make a difference in the world. We thank you, Lord, that you are working in us to be burdened with things that burden you, to be compassionate about people and people groups and parts of the world that you're compassionate about as well. Thank you for letting us in a little bit into the hands and feet ministry of Jesus Christ. Teach us, Lord. Teach us how to walk through this when it gets real choppy and real tough. But above all, may we be a people who love, who are known by our love. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, we got food for you. Got a final song, Pastor? But before we do that, I need five people. I need five people to come up here and take this mic and just give me a a sentence to say, I am moved with compassion for... Because there's a diversity of compassionate calls. And this is a compassionate congregation, but I just want to be encouraged. Can I get five people to just come up here and say... I'm compassionate about school children in Memphis. I know a brother in here like that. Give me five. Give me five. I'm compassionate about people needing education. I'm compassionate about Native Americans because alcoholism. David, you stay rare. I'm compassionate about Na- Native Americans and alcoholism, and it moves me to action. Give me five. Give me five. Everybody stand to your feet. Stand to your feet to make it easier. John, would you play lightly? Just give me five. Give me five. I just want a statement. I just want a statement, okay? Come on up. I just want a statement.
1: My passion is children. I was from an alcoholic family raised by Christian foster parents who made such a difference in my life that I'm going to make sure That there's not a child who's left without. Whether it be pencils, clothing, food, whatever. And God can use your experience to make a difference in even one child's life. I am moved and compassionate about the mentally ill. But especially those who were abused, and that's what led to the mental illness. I have a history of abuse myself, and
2: so I'm especially compassionate towards those who have been abused. I am compassionate and moved about fathers. Um, I was raised by my father, who's amazing, and he um, is not the average age. (laughs) He's 70. He's 75 this year and I'm only 25 so I've always had to deal with you know um, more health issues than you know an average dad and I'm just so grateful to have him and I'm just I just love seeing fathers with their children and that just moves me so much and I'm also compassionate and moved about oral health and how and raising awareness and how it connects so much to the overall body I'm studying to be a dentist so I'm hoping that I'll be able to do that one day. I'm moved in compassion about those in need, um, whether it be food, clothing, whatever it is that they need. Um, I volunteer at a place in Clarksville, Tennessee. It's called the Love Center. Um, we feed and give clothe- clothing to those who, uh, who need. And um, actually, I haven't been going there for about three weeks, and I'm moving compassion uh, from this service today to continue to be encouraged to go back and to do more and to hide myself and just, just talk who, who I am and why I'm doing it and just, just, just do it. That's what God put on my heart.
1: You
0: no, know, Ebony and I—we two peas in a pod, you know. And I called her to tell her how burdened I was, and uh, she encouraged and she challenged her pastor. And, and I'm going to interpret what she said. The Browns not only lost a son but she said pastor we've got to pray for the officer because his family and his life will never be the same and his mother is grieving too that's what compassion does it takes the stones out of your hands man i'm honest enough to say it i hope somebody will join me
1: i am compassionate I'm compassionate about single mothers. I was raised in a single parent home. My mother found a wonderful stepfather. It was my stepfather who was a man of God who came into our life at an amazing point in time in my life, but I needed a father. So many of our kids are being born in our community, African-American community without fathers. We're seeing a lot of that dynamic come out in our communities. So my heart breaks for children who are fatherless. My heart breaks for mothers who have to raise their sons, especially African-American sons, without support. So my heart breaks for them and I'm compassionate for them. And I'm compassionate for domestic abuse. I was raised in a home with a father, biological father, who was Ike Turner, pretty much. So I watched women getting beaten. Bones broken, black eyes, hair being torn out, drug into the front yard and beaten. Beaten at a Hardee's and nobody would help because someone didn't have compassion to help a woman who was in need. Except for one man who stepped in and he stopped someone from hurting my mother. I am compassionate for those things. And we cannot close our eyes to those things. We have to stand up and say something about those things. And it may not touch you as an African-American person because, you know, someone may be white or Native American or whatever it is. But we've got to stop looking at color. And we have to start looking at the heart. Jesus loves us all. He had compassion for us all. So where's our compassion? Where is Jesus in us? <laughs>
0: I'm compassionate for disabled people because I am one and I have disabled friends and I took took a college class cuz God God can do all things through through people. Big or small. And uh, someday all disabled people will go to college. And God's thinking is, is so much different than our thinking. And um, it's just great to see what God can do every day.
3: Amen. Um, I'm compassionate about men as well as young men and seeing that men reach their their full potential and fulfill their divine purpose. And I share a lot of the, some of the things that Ms. Ebony said and passed as hard as African American community and single parent homes and all that. But um, it's all geared towards men and making sure that our young men um, as well as number one, our young men uh, have that covering as a father, but then also those that God has brought out that we take our responsibility to help those get there.
0: We have two more.
1: Just to kind of sum up, I guess, what everybody else is feeling, Pastor and Ebony, um, I'm very compassionate about children and um, a lot of you know I tutor privately. Um, And my tutoring goes far beyond textbooks. My tutoring is about empowering our children. It's not about just learning how to add, subtract, it's learning how to get there. And that's true of life skills, everything. That is what I'm compassionate about because at the end of the day, (sighs) our friends who were being killed in the streets for whatever reason, pointless reasons they didn't have somebody to empower them with life skills to tell them things that they needed to know so that's where my passion lies
0: come on give god a praise you guys may take your seats he put that in you for a reason don't sit down don't sit down Gotta get a benediction oh and then we gotta go eat is the food ready well, let's continue these conversations. We don't need a town hall to have a talk. We got all kind of tables outside. We talk, okay? Pastor John, uh, Patterson's coming up to closing prayer. You good? All right, Patterson. My brother from the same spiritual father, but a different mother. Come on over here, baby.
3: I hope we're from a different mother. <laughs> been a rough week. Coming from a, I hope you don't mind if I'm going to say this, came from a southern family raised in a white church. These past two weeks have been shocking to me to see some of my brothers and sisters of a Caucasian color criticize me for what God put on my heart despite the skin color I came from one thing that God put in my heart was did you count the cost before you came to follow me did you you know I I was raised to the thing to do in church was to give your life to Christ and I buried a friend's father yesterday who I grew up and the thing that crossed my mind yesterday was man God time has moved on years have went by but praise god in my own life i can say this is that He is the restorer of years and he truly does care about all of us the question i have for all of you have you counted the cost of what it means to follow jesus christ are you being salt are you being light And if people was to come across to you, are you exemplifying who Jesus Christ is and saying, I want what you have? And I can honestly say that today, I'm not the man I used to be. But praise God, he changed my heart. And I'm so thankful for what he's done. So let's go out today and be salt and light. And let's go and be that witness to all skin colors of this world so that we all in this room can say, you know what, I'm... We're all going together to heaven, but let's take some people with us. Amen. Thank you, Father God, that you have not given us what we deserve for the iniquities and the sins that we've committed. But before you ever created this world and this universe, Father God, you knew what we would do. You knew that we would kill you. We knew that we would reject you. Father, I praise God for the prophets that prophesied your coming. They desired to see you. They never got to see you, but Father God, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came. That's all we can say is that we're thankful because we know what we deserve without you, Father God. We've all fallen. So, Lord, if we see some people fall in this world, Father God, Lord, people that profess to know you, Father God, help us to look at ourselves and say, Father God, I too have fallen. I too have been selfish. You picked me up. And Lord, let me look at these people and say, God, mercy and grace to them. May we be life changers, Father God. Lord Jesus, you turned this world upside down. You turned it upside down, Father God, and you were hated for it. But Father God, if we go out into this world and we're hated for following you, let it be. Let it be, Father God. Let us go and be the heralders of the gospel message, Father God. For in this world, that's all that counts, Father, is to know that we are going to live with you, Father God. Let us take others with you and have a compassion, as Pastor talked about, for the hearts and the souls of those, Father God, that are screaming for someone to come along and say, I love you no matter what. Thank you for this ministry and thank you for this church. Thank you for the people that are here. Because they were meant to be here. Thank you for my church family, and thank you for the fellowship that we're about to receive and to enjoy together. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.